It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, but also America's top-rated sportsbook. Speaking of America, our top athletes are over in Tokyo competing for gold in the Tokyo Olympics. And DraftKings has a medal-worthy offer just for my listeners. Listen to this great offer. You can place any pre-event wager of $1, just $1, to be eligible to cash in on $100 in free credits if America wins any medal this year. That's pretty much a given. That's 101 odds on an American athlete to stand on the podium and receive gold, silver, or bronze this week. I know what you're thinking, though. The games don't start till Friday, but don't worry. We got the best athletes over there. That's 101 odds that an American athlete will stand on the podium and receive a gold, silver, or bronze medal this week. 101 odds on an offer like this does not come around often. So sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook now to get in on all of the action. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook. It's easy to navigate, has plenty of instructions for new betters like myself, and nearly limitless ways to get in on the action. My friends and family have been loving DraftKings Sportsbook, and I know you will too. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits if an American athlete wins a medal. That's code THPN to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. For a limited time, only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Remember, must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, and Pennsylvania only. New customers only as well. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problems? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT.
Hello and welcome to episode 40 of Tendy Talk presented by the BLPA Podcast Network and now also the Hockey Podcast Network. Did you miss Tendy Talk during a few week break I took? I know I sure miss talking to all the great goalies I've had a chance to talk to. Between my son's baseball schedule and so many goalies and coaches in the middle of camp season, it was just getting too hard to schedule interviews, so I decided it was time to take a break. I also know most listeners are probably taking a mental summer break as well, so it was good timing. That being said, it's good to be back. Did you notice that ad read before the opening? While I need some practice on them, I do kind of sound like Biz from Spittin' Chicklets, as I do my ad reads right now. Over the break, I partnered up with the Hockey Podcast Network to help broaden the reach of Tendy Talk. Part of that partnership includes ad reads on the podcast, but don't worry, the podcast is not going to turn into a never-ending ad read. I'm still partnering with the BLPA, so nothing changes on that side. Now to the podcast. This week, I chat with another goalie from across the pond in England. My guest is Team Great Britain goalie coach, Ewan King, who also runs the King's Elite Goaltending School in the UK. Thoroughly enjoyed talking to Ewan as he recently returned from the IIHF World Championships. So, without further ado, let's get to the conversation with Ewan. Well, Ewan, thanks for joining me on the podcast. Uh, I, I first came across uh, you listening to the 33 of Me podcast. Um, that was Bounty and, and Brabs. Yeah, so that, that's how I found you. And um, honestly, one of the reasons I was uh, kind of looking for the podcast is uh, I shared when I had the UK Goalie Network fella on, uh, my grandmother grew up in England. So I, I'm kind of uh, fascinated with hockey over there. Um, when I was a kid, I, I think I was 15, we went to England on a family trip. And our first night there, we, we go to the neighborhood pub and I got my Eddie Belfour jersey on and there's a guy at the end of the bar notices it and we start talking hockey and he was a big Peter Pearl, or Peterborough Pete's fan. And uh, so we, we talked English hockey then and ever since then I've kind of been fascinated by it. <laughs> Yeah, I think people are often surprised that we, we have ice hockey over here. Yeah. Uh, but it's our it's our biggest indoor spectator sport. So mm. it's a lot bigger than than people realize, I think. Yeah, it's it's bigger than people realize, but uh still not getting the love from the local media from what I've been reading. Yeah, we um the the, the main thing here is like Sky Sports, which I guess is like your ESPN. Mm-hmm. Um like during the world championships, there was no real coverage uh, of us being there. Um, there was a, an article on there recently, obviously with Liam Kirk being signed by Arizona. Mm-hmm. Um, and then today we had uh, our first ever female player drafted in the NWHL. I think I got that right. Um, so that's got some coverage today too, which is good. So um, hopefully it's starting to change, but yeah, it's still uh, still pretty tough sledding when it comes to, to media. Yeah, well, in knowing that, I mean, how did you get started in hockey when it's it's not on TV like it is here? It's yeah. not in the newspapers. You know, how did you discover the sport? Um, so basically, my dad played. Uh, he played professionally in the in the UK. He uh, but he was a forward. Okay. Um, so that's how my brother and I sort of got involved with it. Going to watch my dad. Um, it's a funny story. The the goalie for the team that he played for at the time, the Bratnell Bees, a guy called Dave Langford. Um, he gave me a broken stick one day after a game. I must've been like four. Um, and for that, from then on, I decided I wanted to be a goalie. Um, no idea 
what it was about the broken stick that made me want to be a goalie, but uh, went in goal. And then my brother followed me a couple of years later, um, but he went in goal because he liked the gear. He thought it was pretty cool and he wanted to wear it. So um, yeah, that's how we got started really. Yeah. So that, you know, one of the rare occasions probably where, you know, it was kind of a family thing that you got into hockey. Like, you know, I think a lot of Canadians and I, I live in Minnesota these days. So like a lot of Minnesotans, you know, dad played, sometimes mom played, older brothers played. So it was kind of the family thing. So when, when your dad played, it was even more scarce and there weren't even as many rinks. How did he get into the sport? Uh, so he um, he's from Glasgow originally. Um, so it was basically a, a load of friends at his school played hockey. And oh, one day cool. he decided to, uh, I guess, go along and um, was a Glasgow Mustang. The, the rink isn't even there anymore. <laughs> um, but Scotland was pretty good for him because he lived right by a pond that used to freeze in the winter. So he used to be able to skate up there. And then he actually moved down to Peterborough, which is where we're from, mm-hmm. um, when he was 16 to play professional hockey. Um, and he's not been back since. Uh, <laughs> obviously, still still lives here and settled here. Um, so, yeah, it was just basically through, through basically friends at school, how we got into it. That's very cool. So I am familiar with the Peterborough rink because when we were visiting, uh, my <laughs> uncle made the trip. We were in the Kingsland area. He made the drive with me and the family and brought us to open skate at the P- Peterborough ice rink. And yeah, I, it took me a little bit of getting used to the <laughs> rental skates as a goalie because of the rock on them. But uh, I, I didn't mind wearing rental skates that day because I wasn't going to bring them with me over there. But uh, it, it was kind of fun to say I, I've skated over there and uh, I, I just remember all the blue in the stands at that rink. Yeah, it hasn't changed in the, well, 25, 30 years that I've been going. Um, people always take the, it's probably one of the worst rinks in the country, I'll be honest. Um, <laughs> but it's always going to be home. So yeah. I always like to refer to it as a, as a palace. Um, it's quite funny because I was involved with their, with their team last year or the last non-COVID year. Um as goalie coach and we'd be on the ice for practice and you'd stand on the on the board so before you know it you're in the center of the ice because the ice is all over the place it's not flat and um it's got its lumps and bumps and its little yeah. characteristics and it's mold on the walls and anything you can think of is probably in there i think covid's the least you're going to catch walking out of that place um it's always going to be home I used to joke uh, because we we're so able to skate a little bit uh, around here during the pandemic. And, and I said, you know, if we can put our hands in our hockey gloves and not die, COVID's not going to get us. <laughs> yeah. It, it, we're, our immune systems were built for it. I don't know why, but I, I just remember the smell of caramel popcorn uh, from that rink. And it, it, maybe it was that day in the concession tent. I don't know, but I, I distinctly remember the smell of that rink. It's uh, probably the best smell it's ever had, to be fair. <laughs> uh, it, one of these days, I'm going to have to uh, go to my mom and dad's house and find the photo. There's a photo of me on the ice floating around somewhere in my mom and dad's house <laughs> at that rink. Um, so, you know, you're in a non-traditional uh, market for hockey. I mean, it, it's it's growing there and it, it's got, uh, I would almost say... Mo- almost like soccer here in the States, it's got a loyal following that's getting bigger. Um, although soccer is obviously bigger here. Yeah. Um, tell me about your playing career. You know, it's, it's not going to be similar to over here in the North America where, you know, kids go on and 
play high school hockey or even junior hockey. What, what was the uh, path for you? So, um, yeah, I started when I was like six um, properly. I, I started at sort of four, but when you're four, you're sort of dipping and out. Yeah. Um, yeah, I started playing when I was six in, in Bracknell, where my dad was. And then we moved back to Peterborough, um, played my junior all through Peterborough. But then the, the pathway here in the UK is um, they have regional teams. Mm-hmm. So you get selected for your region. It's called a conference weekend, uh, Southeast, Southwest, Midlands, North and Scotland. Um, and it goes under 11s, under 13s, 15s and 17s. Uh, and that's when they that's where they set the national teams from. So um, lucky enough to play all through Peterborough and then play for all the regional teams as I went through. Um, lucky enough to play for G, uh, England, sorry, under 16s. Um, went to a tournament in, in Budapest. And then also a tournament in Tilburg in, in Holland, which was a really good tournament. It doesn't run anymore, unfortunately. Uh, then progressed on to GB under 18s and, and GB under 20s. Um, played semi-professional, I'll call it, because that's what it is, mm-hmm. uh, for Peterborough, uh, Peterborough Phantoms. Uh, started playing for them when I was 16. Um, had a cup of coffee in our Elite League. Um, played six games on loan with, with Basingstoke um, there last year in the Elite League. And then I sort of stopped for a couple of years because uh, of some injuries and I just wasn't really enjoying it. And because it's not mm-hmm. my full-time job, it was just not worth it. It wasn't fun anymore. So, uh, but then I came back two years later and I played another, actually my wife, I said to her, I'll only play for one year. I just want to see if I can still do it. Yep. Um, so I went back into our second tier and I ended up playing another five years after that. <laughs> so one year turned into five. Um and then, yeah, so I guess that's my history in a, in a nutshell. Now, you mentioned having the opportunity to wear your country's jersey. Um, I, I don't care what sport it is or how good the teams are. There's got to be a certain sense of pride pulling that jersey on for the first time. What was it like being able to represent your country? Uh, it's, it's something really, um, you can't really describe it. Like, it's not many people get a chance to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and like when I first did it, I was 16 and it was like a bit uh, like the awe of it. Um, Cause obviously I, I'd grown up seeing all these great goalies play for GB and um, obviously the, the end goals play for the senior team, which I unfortunately never got a chance to do. Um, but yeah, like we, I was lucky enough to win a gold medal at under 18s, um, silver medal under 20s. Um, so that was pretty cool and, and quite a funny story. I remember we, we got promoted uh, under 18. So the following year we were in Poland um, and we played Denmark and Denmark had Freddie Anderson in net, Lars Eller, Mika Bodka. Um, and there's all these NHL scouts there. And our, co- our coach came in the room before the game. It was like, just so you know, you'll see NHL jackets out there. They're not here for you. So, <laughs> don't even think about it, um, which was quite funny when I, when I look back on it. Yeah, it's funny, but when you think it of it from a coaching perspective, it's like you know, take the pressure off of them. Yeah. They, they might be they might play well enough then to get noticed. Yeah, Denmark got promoted that year, and we only we only got beat by them. I think it was two one or three one. We actually played pretty well against them. Um, but yeah, I just remember thinking quite a funny thing for them <laughs> before the game. Like, yeah, there's NHL scouts there, but then they're, they're not here for you guys. So don't, don't worry about it. Just, just play. So um, yeah, good experiences. That's awesome. Uh, yeah. And 
you know, I, I, I've never had the opportunity to, to wear the USA Jersey, but, uh, I, I take that back. I've bought a few and then I've worn them that way. Um, but, uh, never had that opportunity. So I can only imagine how, how, uh, how cool it is. I, I still remember the feeling I had pulling on my college Jersey for the first time. And that was playing on the JV team. And there's just that sense of pride and accomplishment. Yeah. I just think it's, to be fair, obviously playing for your country is, is great and everything, but I think anytime you, you do something that you're, you're proud of, like it's, mm-hmm. it's a special, it's a special thing for you. Like what's special to me might be different to somebody else. So I, I think that's one thing I, I really think young goalies need to understand is every time you get a chance to, to wear a jersey, it's quite a cool experience and it's quite a, an honor because you don't know who wore that jersey before you. Yep. No, I, I love that you put it that way because, you know, when I was in high school, um, it was instilled to us in the school, not just, uh, you know, in the form of athletics of be mindful of the men who walked these halls before you. They, they laid the foundation work. So what you're doing is a representation of them and make sure you honor them. Yeah. Uh, so when when I put that hockey jersey on in high school, it was thinking about those players that came before me and got the program to where it was and, and so forth. And then, you know, it gives you a little bit of ownership of the uh, accomplishments of the team. Once you move on, it, you know, we weren't very good when I was in high school, but the year after I had graduated, they won the uh, conference championship. And I, I, I had a little bit of ownership of that championship. While I didn't play that season, I, I still felt, you know, yeah, that, that I, the ground. Had piece, I had a piece in that. Um, so no, I, I like that bit of advice for the younger players, you know, so these days you're involved in the game on the coaching side of things. You, you've got the Kings elite, uh, goalie school over there. Um, how, how did you get into coaching? Was it the um, traditional path of, you know, it was just, you, you loved the game. It was the, the way to give back or, you know, what was that path? Um, so I started, when I actually stopped playing was when I first started coaching. So I was like 21, 22. Um, just coaching the kids down in Peterborough and, and really, really enjoyed it. Um, and then when I went back to playing, I, I didn't want to, because they'd never had it before, I didn't want to just walk away. So I, I carried on um, coaching the kids. Um, then I was lucky enough to be asked to um, get involved with the, the England junior program. Mm-hmm. So the England teams under 13s, points, 15s and 19s um, when I was 25. So went in there and we put in a a, a little program for the England team. Um, so it started off with just me and like six teams trying to juggle everything, which was impossible. Um, (laughs) so then we, we built a program, um, we brought in another six goalie coaches and, and built the, the program from the ground up. Um, from there, I then carried on doing that and, moved into coaching education. So we never had any goalie coaching qualifications here or, or anything like that. Goalie coaching, just even now, it's not really that big a thing here. Yeah. As I was gonna say, how prevalent are even goalie schools in the UK, yet alone organizations having goalie coaches? Yeah. So, okay. So <laughs> we've had over a hundred coaches now go through the GK one, which is the level one goalie coach, which mm-hmm. is phenomenal. Um, Goalie schools, there is myself with, with my camps. Um, there is uh, Clancy's Goalie Clinic, which is a good friend of mine who was with, involved in the England program. Um, there's a new one down at a new facility, um, Ozone, uh, down down south uh, with, with Gary Bryan. Um, but yeah, I think there's maybe only three or four 
um, camps. Uh, but the good news is we're, we're getting more and more goalie coaches. And then I guess at the professional level, there's there's no goalie coaches. Oh, wow. So I, I recently did the, the Elite League series with, with the Nottingham Panthers. Um, that's the first time they've ever had a goalie coach, um, which was which was a good experience for everybody, I hope. Um, Cardiff Devils have a, have a goalie coach, um, Dan Brabham. Uh, and then the Peterborough Fountains had one with, with myself. But apart from that, it's... The, the problem here in the UK is, uh, for me, is it's so business driven rather than development when it gets to senior hockey. It doesn't matter what mm-hmm. level you're at, whether you're in the elite league, whether you're in the second tier, third tier, fourth tier. Um, they're, they're run like businesses and, and development takes a little bit of a backward step, I guess. So mm-hmm. where they could bring in a goalie coach on, say, 500 pounds a week and they can have a young British goalie at 19 to develop to hopefully take over number one like every other nation does. Um, they'd rather use that 500 pounds on a, on a better import goalie or a, a better forward or whatever, which I, I get from a business point of view. Um, but for the longevity of the game, I, th- I think it's a little bit counterproductive. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And even, you know, you, you develop those players, you get better, you sell more tickets and it, it helps the bottom line. I mean, we're seeing that over here with us sports um, teams that, they'll tank for a year or two to get all those draft picks and it they're, they're, they're taking the short-term loss for the long-term goal, you know, gain. And it, it's tough for businesses to make that decision though. Yeah. Uh, and also if you look at it, our, our top league allows 14 imports. Mm-hmm. So it's a predominantly an import league. So I in the best imports, um, to win like the, the the development of the of the younger players isn't quite there yet and our second tier only allows two imports so the step up from our second tier to the elite league is it honestly it's, it's two different sports um so there needs to be something in between there to, to bridge that gap i think because of that lack of development do you see goalies being you know the taking up a greater uh percentage of those import spots i think it's been discussed before um, oh, sorry. Do you mean how many imports are in the league? Well, no, I'm saying, do you see most teams, you know, they're using some of those import spots on yeah. their goaltender position yeah. rather than staying in country? Every team. The, the only teams that, that have British goalies was Cardiff with Bouncy, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Jackson Whistle, our other goalie with the national team. He, um, he was number one in Belfast and Sheffield for a little while. Um, but I believe this year you're going to have Jackson in the league as a potential starter. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Bounzi's obviously off in, in Slovakia now. Um, so I would guess out of 10 teams, you're going to see nine starters who are imports. That's crazy. You know, whereas over here in the U S they've got the initiative at the youth level. They, they want 50, it's 51 and 30. Yeah. You know, which I don't know if you're aware, but some of their goalie symposiums are open to coaches from across the globe and I, I've taken some of them and they're just fantastic. Yes. Um, yeah. So it, it's crazy when, when you think of how some countries are viewing goaltender development and other countries are going, well, maybe we can just bring them in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, it's a difficult one at the moment because we, we have a good wave coming through. So between mm-hmm. the ages of 14 and 19, we've got a wave of about 20 goalies coming through, which is really good for us. Yeah. Um, my biggest concern is what happens to them between the age, like now what happens to them? Because 
the really good ones are going to get signed at 17, 18, and they're going to go into senior hockey, professional hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, and are they going to be developed? Because, yeah, your import goalie, I think a lot of them do. They, they help the younger guys and, and stuff like that, which is great. But they've also got to worry about their own game. Mm-hmm. And their job at the end of the day is to stop pucks, not help coach the backup. Right. Uh, and if he doesn't play well, he gets fired. So it makes life a little bit harder. So, yeah, it, it, it's a double-edged sword at the moment. We've got a really good wave coming through, which I'm really, really excited about. But I have a lot of concerns about what's going to happen to them and how many are actually going to be able to break through and, and make it. Yeah. And, I mean, ideally, you'd like to maybe see some of them be able to come over to North America and play junior hockey here. Um, yeah, there's a few in America. We've got a uh, we've got a, a good young goalie, um, Lucas Bryan, who's was playing out in America. He's just gone to college out in America. Um, I think we've got about six or seven kids in in the states right now. We've got a few in Europe as well, which is good. Um, so yeah, that's probably the best route they can take. So w- one of the things I like about your camp uh, is you also have a division for us beer league goalies, us adult goalies. Uh, that That's pretty cool. And I can see why it really makes sense over there because they really haven't had goaltending instruction at any point. Uh, how popular is that camp? Um, it's it's all right, to be fair. It's I've, I've got two this summer, one in the south of England, one in the north of England. Um, I think I've only got two spaces on one left and a couple of spaces again up north. Um, to be fair, I, I stole the idea from a good friend of mine, David Clark, <laughs> who runs Clark & Co. Hockey. And I've, I've worked with David for years. And he does his adult camps, and mm-hmm. they're a lot of fun. And um, just I thought, okay, there's, there's nothing like this for goalies. So I have all my junior accounts, but I also get a lot of adults that contact me saying, oh, I'd love to do something like this. Yeah. So we decided to put it on last year, but then the pandemic obviously hit, so we had to cancel <laughs> and flip the way we did them. But we still had adults every weekend coming along. So um, I, th- I think in total, we've got about 30 goalies signed up over the two camps. So um, yeah, it's, it's pretty popular, which is good. That, that's awesome. I mean, I, I was fortunate having had a goalie coach in our youth association and then in college my, or high school, my, our head coach was a goalie. So even though we didn't technically have a goalie coach, we still had one. And then in college, you know, we had our goalie coach that worked with the varsity team, but my uh, goalie partners, we were always helping each other. We, we had great relationships. Um, in fact, one of them runs a pretty successful goalie school here in Minnesota. And another one is the New Jersey Devils goalie coach. So I would say we had some good minds. We just didn't have great uh, bodies. <laughs> uh, I would say you had some really good minds. In that yeah. Yeah, so we we were good there. Um, so I, I I got that instruction as I came through. But since I've gotten into beer league hockey, I get that two three minutes before a game to work on my game, and it, it just I wouldn't say I've gotten better since then. <laughs> no, I, I just think a lot of adults like you always say beer league. We call it recreational hockey over here. Yeah, uh, they they play the game because they love it, and exactly. They want- and they want to get better because there's no, like everyone plays sport and I don't care what you say. Everyone's competitive. It's, yeah. it's human nature and they, they want to be better. So if we can facilitate something where they can come along for a few days, get six, seven hours of ice and 
we can get them on there and, and hopefully make a little difference to them, then I'm, I'm really happy to do that. Yeah, it, it's you're right. Everybody's competitive. There's a reason my family won't play the board game Monopoly with me anymore. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, I just I, I hate to lose. It, that was probably the hardest thing for me when I entered the beer league. So I was having played competitive hockey to the point I did. I didn't like losing. I didn't like when the team in front of me was bad. And I had to accept that we're just out here to have fun. Yeah. And if there's a few, you know, beers in the locker room or parking lot afterward, all the better. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I, I, I have no goalie equipment left whatsoever, apart from skates, because people have always said to me, I'll oh, come out for a, for a skate and I'll oh, play a game. I just, I can't. I don't know why. It's just something I, it doesn't help. I have no interest in ever putting on goalie equipment again. Like at no point do I, is that ever going to interest me? I think if I was going to, I'd be a player. Like mm -hmm. every goalie is a frustrated player. So I think if I was going to do it, I'd have to be a forward. Yeah. I, um, I still enjoy stopping pucks too much to play forward. But uh, in fact, yesterday I was ordering my first new set of equipment in 21 years. And I said, this is my last set because if this one lasts as long as the other one, that puts me at 60 and I should be skating out at that point. <laughs> you, <laughs> you, know. you say you still love, and pucks, uh, love stopping pucks. I think that's awesome because I literally stand there now and I watch goalies have pucks shot them. I think, I don't even know what I was thinking when I used to stand there because that does not look like fun anymore to oh, me. It's, it's so fun. I just, I loved, you know, when I'm watching a game and I see a goalie make, you know, that beautiful windmill glove save, I can feel that puck going into my glove yeah. when I see that. Or when I see that breakaway coming down on me, I'm like, all right, here we go. This is my time to shine. I just, yeah. I love it. Um, doesn't matter what, what level I'm playing at. If it's pickup hockey, pond hockey, it, it gets me excited, you know. So you alluded to the fact that, uh, you know, you've done some work with, uh, team Great Britain and this year you had the opportunity to be the goalie coach for the team that just got back from the world championships uh, what was that like uh, not only being the goalie coach for the top team but they were elevated to the you know the top group this year um, so it, it had to have been a special time for the the program yeah like I say they got promoted in Hungary in 2018 so they stayed up in Slovakia with the miracle game against France, um, but they'd, they'd never had a, a goalie coach before. Mm -hmm. And they decided they wanted to go down that route. And funny enough, like Bounds and I played together at, at GB. So that was quite funny. Um, but actually it was the assistant coach, Corey Nilsson recommended me for the, uh, for the job. Um, so I did a test run at the Olympic qualifier event in Nottingham in, in 2019, no 2020, sorry. Um, and then I was meant to go to Lausanne. Uh, but obviously we got cancelled because of COVID. So yeah, this was the first world championships experience. Um, and it's just a, a, a different world. Like I think it was the first day or before our first game, I'm sitting in the, in the hotel room and I'm going through the, the, the Russian team and, and picking out their shooters and their tendencies, their power plays. And then I'm scouting their goalies and I'm, I'm going through the clips. I'm like, this guy plays in the KHL. I'm like, <laughs> Yeah, he's good. Like, well, <laughs> what do you want me to say? But I, I think by, by the time, literally after the Russia game, I think it, I don't know if this sounds weird, but like it just felt a little bit normal. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the tournament, who did we play last? Uh, Switzerland. 
and uh, Berra was the was the goalie for Switzerland. Uh, in the NHL and everything like that. And I'm watching the pre-scout videos or going through the videos to create the pre-scout. I'm like, he's not that good. I'm like, <laughs> he is. He's really good. But like, I don't know if yeah. I just kind of acclimatized to it. I don't know. But like, the the coaching staff was was incredible. Um, we had a two week camp in in the UK first. Then we were on the ice every day, forty minutes early with the goalies. Um, the goalies were fantastic to work with. Both of them are, are students of the game, and and our number three Headley um, is a young guy who's coming through. And again, student of the game would be going through pre scout videos with the goalies, and he was always there. Um, going through post-game reviews with the goalies, heads would always ask to come along to, to see what we were doing and, and looking at. Um, and I think, again, like everyone doesn't see us as a hockey nation, but we're a Pauline nation. And if there was relegation this year, we would have stayed up again. Mm-hmm. And we, we lost to Slovakia by a goal and we probably should have equalized in the last minute. We took Denmark to overtime. And I think if the penalties, I think we probably would have won it in a shootout. We beat Belarus. Um, and, and like funny story, like when we arrived, we, we charted in and we got off the air, airplane, went through security and we come out and there's this big bus waiting for us. And it's got Great Britain ice hockey and the jersey and the flag. And it's got your world ranking on the side. And it says world ranking number 19. There's only 16 teams in the tournament. <laughs> so we're not technically, well, we're not even ranked high enough to be in it. Um, and you see the other buses it's like Sweden 4 like Slovakia 9 Belarus 14 Um, and apart from the five minutes against Russia where they scored four goals I think we were competitive in every game and it's kind of crazy to think that a lot of our guys only played five weeks all year because they had the elite league series before the Worlds as like a a warm-up one because hockey got shut down completely here Yep, Bounds, yeah. he only played 13 games all year because he got a severe knee injury. Uh, we went away and we were looking at the the rosters like KHL, SHL, NHL, um, all these leagues that have played full full seasons. Right. And we played a five-week mini tournament in Nottingham in a bubble um, to get us prepared for it. So I, I just think it was an, an incredible experience and positive experience. I think people now... Not that, not to say I don't think they respected us beforehand because that would be unfair, but I think people now actually look at us as a as a real hockey team. You're on that, the radar now. Yeah, that, that isn't there because of luck. We're there mm-hmm. because we deserve to be there. Um, and I think that's massive credit to, to Pete Russell, or Peter Russell, sorry, um, who is obviously the head coach who has led the program from Division 1B to 1A to the World Group in three years and – the, the work he does and, and the, the other coaches, Corey, Nelson, Adam, Keith, it's, it's just incredible. And to be part of it was, yeah, it's, it's something special that I'll, I'll treasure forever. Yeah. And I mean, I, I followed along, you know, because I said ever, ever since that trip uh, back in 98, uh, I, I've always kind of had a soft spot for the hockey over there. And yeah, he, he, the team was competitive. Um Russia is one of those teams they're, they're going to explode for goals. It doesn't matter who they're playing. So um, it, it's exciting to, to see the program grow and do better. And um, it's going to be really interesting to see how they do next year at the world championships with regular hockey being played a regular camp. Um, you know, it, it should be fun to see, you know, as, as a coaching staff, um, what did you guys learn from the experience that you think can help bring the program to the next level? Um, 
it's kind of hard because obviously the funding side of things is is difficult in the UK. Mm-hmm. Like we don't have as much funding as, as these other nations. Um, so like game one, I, I doubled up as, as video coach. So I sat up at the top of the stands behind the bench and I had like a big monitor with all the camera angles and I was controlling the iPad to the bench and everything like that. I look across next to me is the Russians and they've got two guys in track suits or laptops, two coaches in suits. I thought, oh, okay. And I looked down at the bench and they got five coaches behind the bench. Mm-hmm. And there was three of us and um, Pete was, uh, was on Zoom because he, he'd been in Germany all year away from his family and he made completely the right decision not to come because he hadn't seen his, his wife and daughter for nine months. Absolutely. Um, so we were just four of us. And I had four Russians stood next to me with <laughs> earpieces and, and everything like that. So yeah. I, I think more staff would, would be helpful um, because obviously we had to do a lot of it ourselves. Like we didn't have a video coach who was doing all that sort of stuff for us. So a lot of our own cutting. And sometimes we'd finish a game. So like Sweden finished um, back to the hotel at eight. We played Czech Republic at 12 the next day. So you've got to get back, eat, do all the video from the, that game, mm-hmm. prep for the next game before you go to bed it's like two three in the morning yeah uh, so I, I think like more staff would be would be helpful but i think what works really well like i don't know if you've, you've noticed the gb program is is very much a family the players mm-hmm. and stuff like that and it's the same with the, with the coaching staff and the off-ice staff it's very close-knit and everyone works really really hard together uh for the for the common goal like we, we would sit in a room and and we'd all be on laptops and discussing and okay this clip or that clip or whatever um so i like me stepping into that bubble if you want to call it that of of coaches it was was difficult because it is really really tight um but what's really good is they're they're all really really good people so it uh i think if you don't fit in you 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 would struggle you can't have an ego that's probably the nice yeah yeah so if i'm hearing you right if there's a way to grow the family <laughs> that, Absolutely. that that's yeah. what you need to do grow the family and yeah. spread out the work a little bit um, yeah I, I think so but then like a lot of it was quite good for us anyway because a lot of it reinforced stuff that we already do mm-hmm. like as coaches like Corey nelson's a fantastic coach adam keith's a fantastic coach pete russell's a fantastic coach i'm really good at blagging it um <laughs> and that's <laughs> And I think it was quite nice to, to watch other teams and what they were doing. And it sort of reinforced a lot of our beliefs, which was, which was good. How much opportunity do you guys have to uh, fraternize with the enemy per se, and, you know, talk to other coaches and, you know, kind of trade stories and philosophies. Was there that option because of COVID or no, was there not, not, just nose down? Really. No, because obviously COVID this year. So we, we flew into Riga, um, we were COVID tested on arrival. Bear in mind, we'd already been in a week of, or two weeks of bubble with COVID testing every day. Then we had to go to our rooms for 48 hours. We weren't allowed to leave. But then after that, once we were let free, we were only allowed in our hotel room, the dining room, and the rink. That was it. You weren't allowed to mix teams, mix bubbles, okay. or, or anything like that. So if you crossed people in the hallway, you could stop and have a chat quickly. <laughs> um, but you couldn't like sit down for a, for a beer or, or anything yeah. like that and have a conversation. I was lucky enough to, I had a good conversation with the, with a Sweden goalie coach, Stefan. Um, but that was pretty much it because you just couldn't mix, yeah. which is, which is quite sad really, I think, but I also understand why they did it because obviously they didn't want anything, any COVID getting into the bubble. Yeah, absolutely. Which I mean, you, you think about, it, it's like, well, if they tested everybody before they got into the bubble, 
it's not there, but again, they're, they're taking the precautions. You know, I, I think everybody gets it, but they look at it and go, okay, all right. We're, we're not going to complain. Um, you know, when, when I was talking to Chris from the UK goalie network, he mentioned how hard it is to get equipment over there. Um, and I, I say this again, as I mentioned earlier, I just placed an order yesterday. So, um, it's, it's always fun to get new equipment. How hard was it finding equipment when you were, you know, a young goalie and, you know, do you remember that first set? Yeah. So my, um, my first set was a borrowed set from the club. It was DR, I think. Okay. Yeah. They, they were really, really heavy, but then, yeah, like getting equipment back then was, was hard because there was no UK retailers. You had to get it uh, in from, from the States or, or Europe. So I, I think there used to be a place, I can't remember the name of it. I think it's shut down now um, that my mom and dad used to order all my equipment from. Um, then we went to Ray for a little bit in, in Czech, mm-hmm. had a set of those and then Simmons for a little while. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we had to order everything into the UK. Thing is now it's, it's better because there's, there's lots of retailers now in the UK that, that do sell goalie equipment and, and stock it. Um, I don't really know what the prices are like. I can't really comment on that. Uh, how they compare, but th- there is ways of getting equipment in the UK now. And like Warrior are, are quite big here now. Um, Bauer, uh, CCM, uh, True now have got a presence in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's getting easier. Um, it's just making sure it's affordable for parents. And I think that's the the biggest thing because yep. as you know, equipment's expensive. Yeah. Um, <laughs> whatever retails in us to say it's eighteen hundred dollars i think in the uk it's about the same eighteen hundred pounds so it's i got a receipt here telling me <laughs> how expensive it is that's <laughs> uh that's, that's a few mortgage payments <laughs> um yeah and that that's not a unique problem to the uk of the the expense of the position i mean that that is everywhere. And I, I think that's why you see associations trying to, you know, get that used equipment, that equipment that somebody's grown out of and, yeah. or the, the kids stopped playing. And over here, Vaughn has uh, the quick release stuff, right? The, yeah. The quick release stuff for the early ages, which is, I think, amazing. And I, I'm, I'm surprised the other companies haven't tried to copy that in some way. <laughs> it, it's funny. So I spoke to warrior recently about, well, I say recently about a year ago about trying to get something similar set up here in the UK. Um, but they, they only have the stock pads, right? They don't have the quick release stuff. Mm-hmm. So I don't know whether Vaughn have got some sort of uh, patent on it or, or some sort of copyright yeah. or whatever. Um, but it's, it's incredible. And I think it's such a good thing for, getting goalies to be able to, or kids to be able to try to be goalie mm-hmm. yep. because, and also for the parents, it's not as scary. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you are looking for it, reach out to Vaughn because I know um, on the USA hockey class, I was uh, part of, they mentioned that Vaughn has programs to get it into the hands of associations, what, no matter where they are. So yeah. Um, yeah, in fact, that's, that's where I ordered my equipment from. So now I'm, you know, every day looking at the calendar it has, it's only be, not even been for, 24 hours i'm going has it been 10 to 12 weeks <laughs> like a full custom set yeah 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 it, it's the last set i'm ordering so i might as well order a full custom set once in my life and because you know the equipment i've been using is 21 years old equipment's come a long way so me just going and buying something off the shelf would not work for my style of play you know everything off the shelf right now you get that two inch rise yeah well 
that's not going to work for me. So, you know, I got a one inch rise on them. That, that alone requires the custom order. Custom. So it's like, yeah, yeah we're, we're, uh, we're going outside the box for mine that I, <laughs> I, I made sure there was still at least one leather strap on my pads. <laughs> yeah. You got like flurry, right? Flurry still got all the leather straps. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think on my current set, there's one, two, three, four, seven on each pad. So that I'm, I'm going to be getting out of the locker room a little bit quicker with these new ones. <laughs> you know what? Like to, to, like the equipment now, like you say, it's all like Velcro and stuff, right? Yeah. So I don't like the Czech Republic game when, when Jackson got injured and had to come off. Mm-hmm. Um, our number three was sitting just in front of me. I looked at the clock. There's 11 minutes left. I'm like, you need to go get suited up. I remember sitting back down and thinking, I don't know if he's got enough time to get his equipment on. I remember looking down the bench at the power break at eight minutes. And he was on the bench fully kit. I'm like, oh my God, like, that would have took 25 to half an hour to put all my equipment on. Yeah. He did it in like five minutes. I'm like, he's yep. like, yeah, it's like, everything's just Velcro. I'm like, okay, fine. Well, over here, <laughs> when they shut rinks down for the second time, when they opened them back up, they said, okay, you can't use locker rooms. Uh, you can only come into the rink 15 minutes ahead of time. Uh, and only goalies can come in with their bags because they expected the players to drive to the rink like they were seven-year-olds again, fully <laughs> equipped. Um, and it was funny because they were, and you know, they even joked on how it brought back memories, but uh, it takes me more than 15 minutes to get ready. And I got to the one rink and I was a good, normally I still get there an hour before, but I was respectful. It's like, I can do it in 30. So I got there 30 minutes early and the guy looks at me, he goes, you're early. I go, I'm old. <laughs> and he, he looks at me and goes all right go on <laughs> you know he's like yeah you, you don't just have a few velcro straps and you're good to go um and not only that i have to stretch before i even get on the ice to, to loosen things up you're gonna uh, be really quick once you hit your newborn stuff yeah i'm so looking for i'm looking forward to it more after the skate because i still have energy before i get on the ice it's after the ice where i'm like i don't want to reach down and take all these things off. I can just boom, boom, boom. We're, we're good to go. Um, so what, one of the questions I, I always like to ask on the podcast is away from the rink, what are your passions? Cause we're all goalies. We all love hockey, but there's always other stuff that, you know, gets us going. So, you know, what is that for you? It used to be golf. Well, I, used to, <laughs> uh, I used to play golf like two, three times a week. Yeah. Uh, like more when I was playing and stuff like that. And I got my handicap down to about seven. So I was really, really happy with it. And I decided to go and spend a lot of money on golf clubs and get these custom ones and things like that. I think I've used them maybe six times since. <laughs> because like, like if I, for anyone out there, if, if their, their partner ever turns around and says, I'm going to stop playing when we have to coach and it's going to give you, give me more time. That's a lie. It gives you less time. Yep. <laughs> um, so golf is... I still like to get a chance and, and literally spending time with my family, like, cause I'm away so often. Yeah. Um, I, I have three daughters and, and an amazing wife who's very, very understanding. Um, so like any chance we can spend some time together, like we went to the safari park at the weekend and, and stuff like that. That's uh, that's a lot of fun. Um, so yeah, I guess that's probably the two biggest things. Obviously I like watching sport, any sport on TV. I'll sit on yep. watch. Yeah, I, I get that with two kids of my own and people are like, well, what are your hobbies? And I'm like, I've got kids. Those are my, you know, <laughs> spending time yeah. with them, you know, going to their activities and seeing them happy, Yeah, <laughs> you know? Uh, and, and then there's hockey. There, there's that too. 
Um, so I'm not much of a golfer, but when we were visiting the family, I had never golfed at 15 years old. Uh, but my uncle avid golfer and tells me and my dad, we're going to get up early tomorrow and we're going to, cause he understood we were sports fans. So we would appreciate the, uh, the aspect of it goes, we're going to golf in the birthplace of golf tomorrow. And I, I looked at him as a cocky 15 year old. I go, so we're going up to Scotland tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't appreciate that. Um, and, uh, but we just went to the local public course and we, uh, we got our grounds fees worth. Uh, he, he decided to keep score as long as he did, just see how high, uh, mine would go. I shot a 198 that day, nice. uh, <laughs> but we, we had so much fun and laughed, uh, that it, yeah, it, it was memorable. Um, well, with, with David, I said about earlier, um, he runs a he has a camp up in in Widnes, which is near Liverpool. Yeah. And last summer we went okay. We, obviously with COVID you couldn't do everything. So like, okay, we'll, we'll go and play golf. Let's go and play a really nice golf course. It's a lot of open championship golf courses around there. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, I found one. Royal Liverpool St Anne's. It's, it's not far away. It was in Blackpool. We were in Liverpool. It's an hour and a half away. <laughs> um, so yeah, we, we he wasn't very happy when we got there. Um, but yeah, we, we got to play on a, on a golf course that Seve Ballesteros won the open at. So, um, that was, a that was pretty cool. It was windy as hell as well. Cause it's right on the, on the sea, obviously. Yep. But yeah, like that, that was probably my third round of golf last year. It might've been my second to last round of golf I played. So at least it was a nice course. Yep. Yeah. You know, and I, I've golfed a couple of times since then, and I always appreciate the course and the people I'm with. I don't yeah. appreciate the way I play, but <laughs> I, I also appreciate the beverage cart when it comes around. <laughs> yes. And halfway house when you can order yourself a bacon roll at halfway. That's yeah. Yeah. The, the last time I golfed, the carts had um, GPS units on them, but you could put in your order in the clubhouse and they would bring it out to you. I was like, oh, oh this could be dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that sounds perfect to me. Yeah, I, that, that was pretty cool. So I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to previous episodes of the podcast, but I like to close them out with a list of 10, I call them rapid fire questions, but they tend to take a little bit longer than uh, what a rapid fire question round should because they tend to spark other stories worth sharing. Yeah, I was going to say, you said you listened to 33 and me with Bounds. My rapid fire went like half an hour. So I, <laughs> yeah. I apologize now. Yeah, well, that's why when we were going back and forth to schedule this, I said, well, they last anywhere between 60 to 90 minutes because this is where it sometimes goes <laughs> into that 90 minutes. In fact, when I had Kelly Rudy on, it was this rapid fire that got us into that 90 minutes. <laughs> um, it, so the first one is what's the craziest coaching moment from either your playing or coaching days, you know, where a coach just went berserk. Went berserk. Um, i tell you what, I, Slightly different. I'll give you, I haven't told this story before and it's really embarrassing, but crazy coaching <laughs> moment involving me this year in Riga. So when we got to Riga, we played no warm-up games. So day two in mm-hmm. the arena we were playing, we had an inter-squad game, whites versus blues. Obviously both coaches had to run a bench so they could coach. So mm-hmm. I had to be the referee. Never refereed in my life before and I will never do it again. <laughs> Uh, 15 minutes into the two hour game, I'm by the bench and the puck comes down the wall and I try and do that really cool thing where the referee jumps on the boards. Yep. And I miss and I go head first over the boards. (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> so I've got it on next day. We had a video um, session, which was called by the coaches. And the video session was 10 minutes of me falling over the boards. <laughs> um, so I guess not quite a coach going crazy, but that's probably the craziest thing that's happened to me uh, to continue to ref the game for the next hour and 45 with a concussion, I think. Oh boy. So when, when I was in college, I worked our summer hockey uh, camps and as counselors, we had to ref every evening's game. And the, the one game's going on, and there's a coach from a rival school that worked our camp too, and he was known to be kind of a goofball. And I made a call that he didn't agree with. And this is summer hockey camp hockey, you know, with college kids refing. And he was so unhappy. He took the water bottle and squirted me with it as I was skating by, and I turned around, and I, I was – ready to throw him out of the game. And at that point he knew he crossed the line and he just kind of started laughing. Oh, I'm sorry. And my, my coach saw the look in my eyes. He goes, you could have thrown him out of the game. It would have been okay. I, I would have supported you on that one. He goes, but you handled it very well. I said, honestly, it was, I saw the way he responded when I turned around and I saw all the kids in front of him going, that would be a bad example to throw, <laughs> to throw him out, even though he deserved it. Yeah. But it was just like, oh, I, I was so, uh, to his credit, though, he did apologize to my face afterwards. But it That's was good. like, you know, you, you need to keep your temper in, in check there. But he, he was known for having a bit of a short fuse. And it yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't have been the first nor the last game he was kicked out of. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what's your favorite goalie mask of all time? Um, That's a tough one. I tell you what, I, I quite like the the Carey Price one he's wearing at the moment, the the Patrick Waugh tribute mask. Yeah, the ninety three, like that. That's a pretty cool mask. I quite like them. Like I, I appreciate the artwork that goes into these ones that are really mm -hmm. detailed and stuff like that. But I quite like the simplicity of them. Same here. Um. So I yeah, probably at the moment I, I really like the Price one, and then I guess you can go back to Patrick Waugh's ones he had in Montreal and uh, yeah. And yeah, I, I love that Montreal one where I didn't notice it for so long. Those, you know, little stripes on the side where if you look closely, it has wah in there. It's like so yeah. cool. And yeah. how Cal Peterson has kind of uh, replicated that with his masks over the years is cool. Yeah, um, yeah that that's not a bad one. Uh, what's your favorite rink that you've played at? Uh, favorite rink? Just trying to think. I, I guess... We, when I was younger, I got to play in the rink that TPS Turku play out of. Um, and we got to use the away dress room. I was only about 12, I think. So that was pretty cool. amazing playing in a rink that hold like 15,000, 20,000. And there's mm -hmm. like seven parents in the stands. <laughs> um, but we got to use the away locker room, which had like a sauna and gym and, and oh, everything cool. like that. So I'd probably say that was probably the, the coolest rink I got to play in. Yep. Uh, in the UK, you got Nottingham. It's a, it's a really cool rink to play in. Belfast was fun to play in. Um, Peterborough was fun to play in because the fans were crazy. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I'd probably say that one in Finland. That's cool. Um, so th this is one that everybody always has, you know, a strong connection to. What's your favorite goalie stick that you used? Favorite goalie stick. I tell you what, it was the, it was a C the CCM, but the, mm -hmm. um, the Mike Smith cab. Okay. Yeah. That was that, by far my, my favorite stick. That's a good um, stick. Yeah, like like 
to be fair, like I, I was never a goalie that composite sticks were a thing, but I, I couldn't go on with them. I didn't like them. Me too. So I always had a foam core stick. Um, mm-hmm. And then I, I got the Smith curve, but obviously you could only get them custom, which was a pain in the ass for the team. Um, so I can mind to say that. Um, yeah. <laughs> so when they arrived, like they, they were just incredible for putt handling and, and feel and, and stuff like that. They were, that was by far, yeah, probably my favorite sticks to use. I, I'm so foam core holdout. So I, I'm with you there. Yeah. Uh, they're, they're a little easier to find over here than they probably are there though. Yeah. Everyone's in, in composites now. I'll tell you what the, the, the new warriors are, are really good. The, mm-hmm. um, both Bouncy and Wiss were using them in, in Riga and in, in Nottingham. So, um, they were really nice. They were, they were light and, and they, they seem to be able to play with them pretty well. Yeah. I, I have a feeling my next stick, I might try the composite just cause like I said, it, it's becoming harder and harder to find the foam core. And for, I, I think they're, raising the prices on them just to get us holdouts into the composites. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so at, at this day and age, it's, it's not much of a savings to stay in it. It probably costs them more to make them. Than they actually make selling them now. It's possible. It's possible. So <laughs> what is your favorite youth hockey memory? Um, favorite youth hockey. I'll tell you what, it's not even goalie related. They us- favorite- usually aren't. My favorite one, I think back was my first ever game as a player. I was a Bracknell Bumblebee and I was five years old and I scored my one and only goal. And it was an absolute clapper of a slap shot from the top of the goal crease. Um, <laughs> I've still got the puck somewhere in my house, somewhere that my, my granddad made a little stand for it. Um, so, yeah, I'd probably say scoring my one and only goal when I was five years old before I went to, to being a goalie. That's awesome. I, I played forward one summer uh, because I decided to play summer hockey late. And one of my buddies was moving out of state. So I was like, what's well, our last chance to play together? So yeah, I'll, I'll play forward. No big deal. And we're in the playoffs. And I, I was that pest that always stood in front of the goalie because I knew <laughs> if, if you can't see the puck, well, I don't know what happened, but the puck comes out. It's on my stick and I got the open net and I just throw it in there. And it's just like, yep, I got my one goal. I'm, I'm good. But I, <laughs> I remember that, that summer, our goalie got a penalty and the coach hooks at me. He goes, go serve it because one of these days you're going to get a penalty. You might as well do your penance now. <laughs> yeah. Since that day, I have not gotten a penalty and I'm still bitter at my coach for having to sit for two minutes because of that. Or maybe it was a lesson. Maybe it's subconscious you don't take penalties now because you know what it's like to sit there. Oh, no, I I get away with a lot. But part of it is (laughs) I learned early on to get in on the good side of the referees and be nice to them. And they're going to let you get away with stuff. 100%. (laughs) I always say it to young goalies as well, like, Make friends with the refs straight yes. away. Make fr- because then you're going to get calls that go your way, like crease violations. Yep. Anyone touches you. If you're friendly and, and you're polite, like I always used to say to like any goal that comes, like first penalty your team gets, honestly, say to the ref, yeah, good call. Mm-hmm. Like even if it wasn't, because then like, oh yeah, like, and then you, you've got a bit of a connection there. It's, I guess it's a form of gamesmanship, but yeah, absolutely. We'll get away with something later on. Well, it's always picking up the puck for them, you know, when yeah. when the puck's on in your end, uh, just making jokes with them. In fact, our, our first game after the first COVID shutdown, you know, we're all out there and it was just, it, it was kind of neat to see everybody was smiling and the refs come out. And I looked and I said, 
I even missed you guys. <laughs> and it was like right there. I, I knew I had them. I was going to get that that whistle a little bit quicker. They were going to watch for those guys getting in my way. And it's just, yeah, you got to make you got to make friends with them. Absolutely. Uh, so what is the best chirp you've had directed at you, not directed at you? You've just heard, you know, somebody just uh, under somebody. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a hard one. There's a lot of ones that are quite obviously repetitive. I used to get you not as good as your brother a lot. <laughs> um, stand up. That was I'm, I'm relatively short. So that was another good one. I used to get a lot. Um Trying to think the most original. I guess like one of the most original ones I, I've probably heard was um, there was a, a scramble in front and a, another player was was is a bit of a rat. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was along the lines of, you know, you're the worst player on your team, as in even this guy's better than you. And <laughs> hang on, that's, that wasn't even good. What did he say? It was along those lines. What did he say? Oh, I've gone blank. Sorry. The, the best one I've heard to date was uh, David Hutchins of the Ingold Magazine podcast said his uh, son's coach at one of his camps looked at him and said, you must be really good at dodgeball. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yep. yeah. That's yeah, a good one. I t- Corey Nelson, the, the assistant coach, is, is very much like that. He um he's extremely sarcastic. Yeah, the dry um, humor. Yes, and when during the in fact this is already quite a good one actually during the training camp our goalie our third goalie made a save and Corey went woo great job goalie what a save <laughs> and he came out and he's like was he being sarcastic I'm like yeah but he was also being genuine like he was he was glad you made a save um, <laughs> but yeah Corey's Corey's a good one to be fair there's probably a fair few that he's thrown out that probably aren't good for air <laughs> yeah the, the ones that are uh for the locker room are only are always the best ones yeah yeah, yeah. he's he's good for a lot of those yeah so what is the worst post-game beer you've had uh Carlsberg or Carling you always get that in the UK Yep. Osberg or Carling as, as man of the match beers was always gross. Yeah, for, for me it's whatever's warm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. We, we, I was always quite lucky. We always had fridges in the dressing room. So it was always cold when you came in. Or the the physio or somebody off ice would go and fill a bucket of ice before the end of the game. So unless the coach obviously turned around at some point and said, bad performance, no, they can't have them. That was always disappointing. Yeah. Yeah, like, I really have to experience warm beer. My teammates uh, that I play with now were usually pretty good where somebody brings a cooler with beer for after the game. But wow. we we got a younger guy on our team, uh, newly drinking age, and he, he brought some warm beer to a game. And he didn't even bring enough for the whole team. And it was the cheapest beer you could buy to begin with. So uh, to teach him a lesson, we said, okay, we're going to drink all of this beer and not let you have one. Um, but next time it needs to be more expensive and cold. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so when you tape your stick, do you go heel to toe or toe to heel? Heel to toe. Okay. You're normal. Uh, I, I, 
I had uh, one goalie say, well, if you go toe to heel, you're just a psychopath. And I said, well, I, I don't know if I'll go that far, but uh, <laughs> it seems like the ones that go toe to heel play the puck a lot and are good at it. And they have, that's yeah. been my observation. See, I, used to play the, I used to play the puck a lot and I was pretty good at it, but I never went, I don't know why. I, I think probably because when I was younger, I was taught to tape it that way. That's what <laughs> I thought. And probably it's just, it stuck. I, I had different times where I had different styles. Like I probably went for a stage where I was like, I'm only going to do the toe. And then mm-hmm. well, now I'm going to go halfway up the paddle. And then I ended up setting on just like the heel and to the, yep. to the end. But yeah, no, always, always heel to toe. I don't think I've ever done it toe to heel. So what was your favorite number to wear and why? Um, like, yeah, I wore a lot of numbers. Um, I started in 20 and then I couldn't wear that because it was retired when I got to senior. So I then went to 20, no, I went to 42, then went to 29 and I finished in 92. 92 is probably my favorite number because all the other numbers sort of had a bit of a, I don't want to say superstition, but there was like a little, like something behind it. Mm-hmm. And then I went to 92 when I came back after not playing for a few years. And it was literally just a number I just randomly picked. So it had no significance <laughs> or, or anything. Um, yeah. And yeah, I, I wore that until I stopped playing. And for no apparent reason other than it was just a number that popped in my head. So that's probably my favorite because I didn't feel like it meant anything. Yeah, absolutely. And that's the number I wear now, 39. It was uh, the number I wore in high school was 35. And when I got to college, that was taken by one of the older goalies. And so when I went to the cabinet, uh, to pick my jersey for the first game, I just found the biggest jersey they had, and it happened to be 39. <laughs> you know, we all went out to stretch it wearing our jerseys. My teammates had jerseys that looked like they fit them, and I looked like a 12 year old wearing my dad's hockey jersey standing out there stretching. And yeah, so that that was my number ever since. So, slightly controversial, what do you think is the worst goalie number? I don't think there is a bad one if there's a good story behind it. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of goalies like the traditional 30, 35, 20, now we're seeing 51. I never liked one because I felt like I, it felt like I didn't have anything on my back, but I know yeah. goalies that love it. Um, but yeah, I mean, you got 19, you got some of the, all these goofy ones out there now. And it's like, I just like, it, as long as there's a reason for that goofy number, yeah, I like to hear it. And that's cool to me. Yeah, see, I, I, like you said there, like number one for me, I just find really boring. Yep. I'm like, yeah, do something like, like you said, have a story. Yeah. Well, the, like, the, the, even 92 has got a story. Like it's just a random number I picked because I didn't want to wear a, what I'd always worn. The fun story behind number one and all of the older goalies, you know, in the original six era was, is back when they traveled by train, the sleeping berths were assigned by your jersey number. And the lower the number, the bigger the sleeping berth. So that's why those goalies chose number one (laughs) over, you know, something else. And it's like, okay, that, that makes sense. Well, we don't take trains to go to games anymore. So that that's kind of antiquated, but it's like when people find that out, they go, Oh, that makes sense. (laughs) You know, cause we, we wanted to stretch out and have a good night's sleep. So the, the last question is what advice do you have for young goaltenders? Um, it's, it sounds boring, I know, but like skating, mm-hmm. like skating is so important. Like the game is so quick laterally now. Um, and you have to be a good skater to get around the crease. Um, yes. So if I was to focus on something like as in technical skills, skating is one. 
um, play other sports. Like, don't be a, a one-sport athlete. Um, play baseball. We have cricket here. Yep. Tennis, rugby, football, soccer, whatever. Like, play other sports. That's going to help you be, be an athlete. And then have fun. Because if you don't have fun when you're doing something, then there's no real point in doing it. Um, like, you ask any professional athlete if they have a job. Mm-hmm. I bet you they don't see it as a, as a job. Nope. Because they're doing something they absolutely love doing. Like, absolutely. I do anything hockey related. It doesn't feel like work. It's yep. absolutely love doing it. And I think you got to have fun whilst you're doing it. If you put too much pressure on yourself and everything like that and take it too seriously sometimes, it you lose the fun and yep. then you're on a hiding to nothing. Yep. You know, it's, it's funny you say love what you do because my dad was a fireman for over 30 years and he absolutely loved it. So he says he never worked a day in his life, Yeah, you know, and it, it's true. And, you know, it's it, when when you're playing hockey, you kind of feel a little business like you almost need to have that uh, Mighty Ducks moment where you go back and play, you know, the pond hockey or the street hockey and re- remember why you love it again and get re-energized. Yeah. Yeah. So where can folks find you on social media if they want to follow you? Um, so on Instagram, um, uh, my camps are Kings Elite Goaltending. Um, Twitter, um, at Kinger underscore 92 is my personal one. And then on Facebook, again, same thing, uh, Kings Elite Goaltending. Um, any, anyone's in the UK that wants to come to a camp, um, check it out come across and we'll be happy to have you that'd be awesome well Ewan I'm so glad we got a chance to talk and uh you know see see how hockey on the other side of the pond is going um you know you're you're my second Brit I've had on the the show so I'm I'm excited about that (laughs) take it over yeah that's that's the hope right so but thank you I I know uh scheduling these with the folks over there get gets fun trying to find a time that works uh, we're, we're, we're both awake yeah. <laughs> so thank you thank you for being flexible no perfect thank you uh, thanks for having me on i appreciate it it was really fun to talk to you and, and hear about the struggles of building a sport in a country that has an appetite for it but it just doesn't get the press or airtime it deserves not to mention much less funding than their opponents on the national stage. Be sure to follow Ewan and Kings Elite Goaltending School on social media at Kings underscore Elite underscore Goaltending on Instagram, Kings Elite Goaltending, all one word on Facebook, and Kings Elite Goal, no spaces, on Twitter, or Ewan himself at Kinger underscore 92 on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube simply by searching for Wash Up Goalie and I'll pop up. Visit washupgoalie.com for some great hockey-related content, beer league hockey uh, video highlights, some of which are new, and of course, all podcast episodes. If you want some Washed Up Goalie or Tendy Talk apparel, be sure to visit my Threadless shop by clicking the merchandise link on my website. If you like this podcast, go listen to the BLPA Big Show. It's the OG BLPA Podcast Network show where a couple of beer league players are just chatting about beer league hockey, draft experience shenanigans, and exploits from around the game. I need to thank the band The Zambonis for allowing me to use their music on my podcast. 
You can download their music on iTunes or listen wherever you stream music from. I'm working on lining up other goalies to talk to. If you are a goalie or have connections to a goalie who I should talk to, shoot me an email at washedupgoalie39 at gmail.com or send me a DM on social media. Let's not forget, if you are a brand who wants to sponsor the show, be sure to reach out to me. I'd be happy to talk and figure something out. And finally, if you like what you hear, be sure to subscribe, rate, and comment on the podcast platform you're listening on. It's a quick action on your part that helps others find Tendy Talk. Until next time, keep your stick on the ice and your body square to the puck.